0: Welcome this morning. Happy Mother's Day to everyone that's in the room this morning. We have such a great gathering planned for all of you. Wasn't it so great seeing all of these children and babies being dedicated to the Lord this morning? Um, It's it's so awesome to see. We are currently in the middle of a series on the book of Romans. Pastor Tim and Sam have been bringing us some great messages from the book of Romans, and we've learned how great the love of Jesus is for all of us, that Jesus has given us his righteousness and that he has justified Us and that we've learned about how we are completely lost without Jesus and how we are separated from Him forever. Remember the Grand Canyon illustration for those of you that have been following us with the series. This separation is a result of our own sin and how Jesus made a way for us to get to Him by His death on the cross. We've also learned about the role of the Holy Spirit and how we as followers of Jesus have taken, have the Holy Spirit inside of us. If you've missed any of these messages on this series of the Book of Romans, I highly recommend you going back to our YouTube channel, um, to our website and, and rewatching all of these messages from the Book of Romans. But today we're gonna take a short break from the Book of Romans and do something completely different. Today, we're actually going to be talking about children. <laughs> which is such a great day because we actually have more babies being dedicated at New Hope this morning than any other one Sunday that we've ever had in the history of New Hope, which is really exciting, right? It's amazing. It's amazing. And we have a gift, actually, for all of you ladies today, just to go along with the celebration. If you are a lady in this room, you don't have to be a mom. If you are a lady and you are here, you get one of these today. It's a little ornament that says, I am a child of God. So before you leave the auditorium today, make sure that you stop at the doors. There's going to be people handing them to you, to all the ladies in the house as you exit the auditorium today. So we have a gift for all of you to say, thank you so much for joining us in this special day. This morning we are going to talk about what it means to have faith like a child. We're going to talk about what it means to have faith like a child. What does it mean to be a child of God? And what does it mean to have child-like faith? What does it mean to have child-like faith? Not childish faith, child-like faith. And our goal for you today, just so you know, I'm not going to make a secret about what our main point is today, okay? Our goal for today is for us to realize that Jesus is the perfect parent to us, and he wants our complete trust. That's our goal for today. All of you that came in, hopefully you got a worship program as you entered the auditorium today. If you didn't, um, if you want something to take notes with, you can go in the back and one of our ushers will hand you one. Um, We got pens in the seat pockets in front of you because we are going to be taking a lot of notes today. So I hope that your pens are ready and that you guys are ready to receive what we're going to be receiving this morning. But before we go ahead and get really dive really deep into the content this morning, I'm just going to stop and just have a moment for us to pray together. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, I'm so thankful that you are the perfect Heavenly Father, that you are the perfect parent to us. God, I pray that all of us that are here receiving this word this morning, God, that first of all, that it will be your words that come out of my mouth and not mine. God, may your words be the ones that hold true, that hold steady today, God, and that help to shape us and help to mold us into understanding more of who your character is so that we can understand more of the relationship you really want to have with us. God, I pray that every single person that's hearing this message today will have more trust in you as a result of hearing this message. God, I pray that you will use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 So the question on the table is, what does it mean to have childlike faith? What does it mean to have childlike faith? What does it mean to be a child of God and to have childlike like faith? So not only as a mother, I'm a mother of three. I ca- almost cannot say that I'm a, a mother of three teenage boys because our oldest turns 20 this week, which is weird. It's weird. It's weird that our oldest is gonna be 20 this week. We have a 20-year-old son, an 18-year-old son, and a 15-year-old son. So not only as a mother, but also as a former school teacher, I used to teach elementary school I've had the opportunity to see how amazing and how awesome children are. I just absolutely love kids. I think they're precious. And some things that I love about children are this, that children aren't afraid to ask questions. Isn't it amazing how curious they are? The second thing I like is that children just present themselves. They don't feel like they have something to prove. They're just, they're more humble. They don't feel like they have something to prove to anybody. Another thing I like is that children just come to be loved. They just, they just want to be loved. They just automatically think you're just going to accept them, which of course we, would. we wouldn't Who would do that for a child. They just come to be loved. The next thing is children are more open to wonder and of the miraculous. It's so cool when they just get really excited about something so simple as like a puddle on the ground. It's just, it's, it, their eyes are filled with wonder and, and it's just, everything is um, miraculous and filled with awe. And, the, and then other things that children aren't afraid to be vulnerable. They're not afraid to be real. They're not afraid to say, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I need help. They're, they're a lot more vulnerable than us adults are. And children aren't afraid to approach a safe person. They will come up to them, grab their hand, and pull them into whatever they are doing. They will sit on laps and allow themselves to be held. I remember one time Tim and I were on a ministry trip in Berlin, Germany, and we were there to help some missionary families. And it was the first time that we got to actually be at their doorstep to help them. And I knew they had a four-year-old daughter named Jackie. And we knocked on the door, rang the doorbell to their house in Berlin, Germany, and Jackie was the one that opened the door. No mom and dad, just just Jackie. She had red curly hair and she looked like Shirley Temple. And she grabbed my hand, pulled me in. No mom and dad. She never met me. Grabbed my hand, pulled me in. And she said, will you go Bafus with me? And I said, I have no idea what Bafus is, but I'm, yes, I'm going with you, right? And so she yanked me through her whole house, and we ended up in the backyard, and I ended up barefoot with her, which is the German word for barefoot was Bafus. She was asking me, will you go barefoot with me, because we were playing together in her sandbox. So here we were, Bafus, I'm probably not even saying it right because that's how she said it to me because she she was a American girl being raised in Germany, right? She couldn't quite get her German and her English all together in one sentence. But yes, I was there with her in her sandbox. We were having the best time ever because that's what kids do. Will you join me and will you join me in my life and will, will you celebrate this moment with me? And it's something that's so precious that kids have. They will share with the person what's going on with them and desire that person to be the one to fulfill all their needs. And God still wants all of that for us today. Uh, sorry, maybe it's that. God wants us to come to him like a child. God wants for him, us to come to him like a child. In Mark 10, 13 through 16, it says this. This is a picture in the Bible where we see of the disciples were trying to protect Jesus. They were trying to protect his time. They were trying to protect his energy. So they were saying, little kids, like you maybe have somebody else where you can go to for this. So please don't distract Jesus right now. He has more, more important things to do than you. And it doesn't say that Jesus was upset. He says he was indignant. It means that Jesus was angry. He was angry that the disciples were pushing the children away. Because Jesus had already taught them, his disciples, to receive the children in his name. And so he's like, I've already taught you how to do this, so so why are you telling these children to go away? Uh, Jesus explains the children were better kingdom examples than the adults were. The children were better kingdom examples than the adults were. And this is the next film and break. Sometimes we tell children to grow up. However, Jesus is telling the adults to model themselves after the children. Again, this is not a call to be childish, but a call to be childlike. There are so many times in Scripture where God calls us as adults to model after the children. And why is Jesus saying that anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it? Because what characteristics do unspoiled children display? Children have a humble dependence. Children have a humble dependence on others. They are ready to learn, and they accept themselves and their positions in life. A child enjoys much but can explain very little. Children do a much better job of living by faith. They don't understand much, but they accept it. They, can, uh, they enjoy much but can explain very little. They live by faith, and by faith they accept their lot, trusting others to care for them and to see them through. We enter God's kingdom by faith, like little children, helpless, unable to save ourselves, totally dependent on the mercy and grace of God. We enjoy God's kingdom by faith, believing that the Father loves us and that he will care for our daily needs. What does a child do when they fall and they get hurt? They run to their father and mother, right? What an example for us to follow in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. When a child gets hurt, they look for their parents. They will fall and they start to cry, and they will look up trying to see if someone who loves them is standing next to them. And the parent will say their name and pick them up and say, it's okay, it's okay, you're going to be okay. And the thing is, we as adults are still those children because we as adults, we still fall in life. We still fall in life and we need somebody that loves us to be right there to say, it's okay, it's okay, you're gonna be okay. Jesus wants to be that perfect parent in all of our lives. He is hoping that we will in our times of falling down and struggling, look up to see that he is near. Have you ever heard Jesus whisper your name? For those of that have walked with Christ for a long time, there's been times that a Holy, I just felt the Holy Spirit just whisper my name. And the thing is, there's a reason why Jesus doesn't yell our names. I've never heard that, by my name being yelled. I've only heard my name being whispered. And the reason why he whispers it is because he is near. He's near. He's right beside us. He doesn't need to yell it because he is near. When we stay close to Jesus, he is near to us, but it's up to us to stay close. He will pick us up. We may not feel his arms around us, but we can feel our arms in us because his arms are named hope and peace, and his legs are named goodness and mercy. Jesus is love. He is forgiveness. He is joy. He is purpose. He is guidance. He is comfort. And he gives us us, the security of his presence. There's nobody that will parent you better than Jesus. Nobody that will parent you better than Jesus. So having childlike faith requires us to realize that there is only one place where we will feel safe and satisfied there's only one place where we will ever feel safe and satisfied and that is us being right near to jesus with childlike faith we don't want to admire jesus from a distance like little jackie from germany grabbing my hand and pulling me in jesus doesn't want us to admire him from a distance he wants us to be close he wants us to be close to him we want to be touching him there is a need Inside of every one of us, whether you are a man or a woman, whether you are a boy or a girl, there's a need inside every one of us that we still long for. We still long for our Father's loving arms to be around us. There's a need inside of everyone, whether you would admit it or not, that there are days that you wish that you could just curl up like a baby and be held by somebody, somebody that could wrap their arms around you and say, I got you. I got you. This Is gonna be okay? You're not alone. You don't have to do this by yourself. And God is the heavenly father that wants to do that for all of us here. Um, I recently finished reading this book. It's called High Pasture, Surviving the Journey by Esther Walker. Um, If you're interested in it, I had a hard time finding it. Somebody told me this is a great book about childlike faith, so I got it. You have to go to Esther Walker's actual um, website and then you can order it from her. It's not on Amazon or anything. Um, but High Pasture, Surviving the Journey by Esther Walker. This book is an uh, allegory of Psalm 23. Um, and so uh, it's an awesome book. It's, it's t- she talks about what it's like to be a sheep, um, and that a sheep that has learned to have complete trust in their shepherd. And she gives an allegory, and the little sheep's name is Precious. And the shepherd's name is Emmanuel. And um, it's just a really neat story that's an allegory of Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a well-known psalm. And although it's been useful for a lot of occasions, a lot of times it's a psalm that's read at funerals. But I actually find this psalm to be really encouraging for the living. Um, I know it's a comfort during the times of funerals, um, but I really found it to be an encouragement to me for the living. I see this psalm that David wrote, this psalm, as a psalm for those who have fought battles and for those who have carried burdens. We're going to read the psalm here in just a minute, and you're going to understand this. David, who wrote the psalm, had been a shepherd in his youth, so he knew what that line of work entailed. Some scholars think that David wrote Psalm 23 while he was a youth being a shepherd, but other scholars believe that David wrote this later in life, and I kind of tend to believe that he wrote this later in life. I, I tend to believe that David wrote this after he had seen a lot of battle, after he had been betrayed, when he was more mature and fully understood how much the true God, Jehovah God, had seen him through. The role of a shepherd during this time was someone who guarded their sheep, They led them, provided food and water for them, took care of them when they were weary or bruised or cut or sick, and rescued them when they strayed. The shepherd knew every single name of all of their sheep, and he would call them by name. And in every way, the shepherd simply just loved their sheep. What David is saying in this psalm is that Jesus is adequate for every need that we, his sheep, may have. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he is adequate for every need every single one of his sheep is ever going to have. When God's people follow their shepherd, they have all that they need, and they will not lack in the necessities of life. And we're going to break this down um, verse by verse. In Psalm 23, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. In verse 1, I see that he is enough, that God is enough. In verse 2, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He guides me along the... Oh, sorry. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. In verse 2, we see that He is our peace. In verse 1, we saw that He is enough. In verse 2, we see that He is our peace. In verse 3, He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for His name's sake. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. In verse 3, we see my obedience for his glory. My obedience for his glory. God cares for us because he loves us and he wants us to glorify him. In verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In verse 4, we see he protects us, that he protects us. In verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. In this verse, we see that he shows us favor. We don't deserve it, but that's not the point with Jesus. He's always going to give it to us anyways. He shows us favor. And in verse 6, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In verse 6, we see that we can trust him for our futures. We can trust him for our futures what a perfect shepherd jesus is to his sheep he's enough he's their peace my obedience for his glory he protects us he shows us favor and that we can trust him for our futures what a powerful shepherd us as jesus's sheep have in following him these verses promise that when we are these verses promise that we are in when we are in dark valleys Jesus not, is not before us, but he is beside us, leading the way and calming our fears because God knows all about our fears. Jesus is the light. He brings the light to the darkness, and he is the true shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. And it says this again in John 10, 11 through 15. So in John 10, 11 through 15, it says this, I am the good shepherd. Again, Jesus is saying, that's me. That's who I am. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, the people that would have been reading this um, in the New Testament would have known the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, underneath the Old Covenant, when someone sinned, they would have to get a sheep or a different animal, and they would have to kill it and shed the blood with that animal as a payment for their sins. So that I did something wrong. I sinned in some way. Okay, I need to get a sheep or another animal and I need to go and sacrifice that as payment for my sin. Take it to the temple and they say, okay, now that the sacrifice of blood has been given, your sins are forgiven. And now here Jesus is saying that I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, So now we're in the New Testament. Now we're in the New Covenant. And Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd and I shed my blood so you no longer have to ever kill a sheep anymore because under the Old, under the old Covenant, the sheep died for the shepherd. But under the New Covenant, the shepherd died for the sheep. Isn't that amazing, the love of Jesus? Isn't that absolutely amazing, the love of Jesus? His love for us and our love for him is what casts out our fears. If you really study about what it means to not ever live afraid, and the, you study the Bible ness you're going to understand that you are not afraid when you understand the depth of Jesus' love for you. When you understand the depths of Jesus' love for you, it helps you to not live in fear. If we aren't living beside Jesus, then we're not going to be drawing from his strength that comes from his love when our tough times come. So in order to be a Christ follower that doesn't live without fear, then you need to be someone who understands the love of Jesus, that you understand how deep it is for you, and that you stay living very close in that knowledge and stay living very close, living, living lined up with Jesus right beside him. He's encouraging us that it's time for us to stop being afraid. Jesus can be trusted, and He wants us to put our courage in Him because we do not have to be hurt by fear. Um, Sheep in the in throughout history, I was going to say in the Bible, but sheep are in the Bible. Sheep are everywhere in throughout the world. So all sheep. Have you noticed um, when sheep are afraid? Do you know what they do? They freeze, like they can't move. They're like frozen. So, like, if a sheep is stuck in a cliff or a tight spot in a rock or something like that, the shepherd literally has to go and grab the sheep and get them out of peril because the sheep will not save itself because it's frozen in fear. It won't, it won't do anything. And in 1 John 4, 18, we say we see that there is no fear in love. There's no reason for us to ever, as Christ followers, be frozen in fear because of the great love that Jesus has for us. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. So he's saying, you don't have to be um, dangering yourself anymore. You don't have to be hurting yourself in fear anymore. The reason that you have fear is because you're afraid of something that's going to happen. And he's like, don't torture yourself with fear. Just know how loved you are. And by knowing how loved you are, that helps us to not be afraid. When we walk with Jesus and are afraid, that fear will torment you and then will take your strength from you unless you learn to follow Jesus. When we stop to remember the great love that Jesus has for us, our fears can be removed, and those fears are in the past. And Jesus says to us, I am here. Don't be afraid. Just stay close to me. I am your refuge and strength. I am right here for you. And when we are walking beside our good shepherd, knowing the price that he paid for his sheep, knowing the death that Jesus paid on the cross to save us as his sheep, we should not feel lucky to be taken care of by him. We should feel loved. We are not lucky that Jesus did this. We are loved that Jesus did this. We are loved. If we are walking beside our good shepherd, we should know that we are loved because we can see the deep scars in his hands from the price he paid to make us his that should remind us of his love. If a sheep is walking right next to the shepherd and a sheep is having a hard time and that shepherd reaches down to help those sheep, those shepherd's hands are gonna be you know how many fences they've had to probably pull a sheep through? You think a barbed wire, have you ever gotten your skin caught on barbed wire, you know, and and that's what a shepherd would be? Um, You know how many animals that he's probably had to fend off you know how many nights that he stayed up in the cold a shepherd's hands are going to have very work-worn hands there's going to be scars on his hands and when he leans down to take care of his sheep that sheep should feel love just by looking at the shepherd's hands knowing how much his hands have done to protect him When Jesus is right beside him, us, when Jesus is right beside us, and he reaches down to us as his children to take care of us, we should see the nail scarred hands of Jesus and know, man, he loves me. Look at those scars. He did that for me. He really loves me. He really loves me. If we are walking beside Jesus, knowing and seeing him and experiencing the love that he pours out on us, then we should have the peace and satisfaction of knowing that we can trust him with our futures. We can trust him with our futures. But it is when we start to wander off that our peace and our trust start to fade. God gave us a valuable gift when he made us. Because of God's great love for us, he wanted our love back to him to not ever be forced. He gave, us the free, he gave us free will and the power to choose. We can choose to wander off or we can choose to stay close. Just like sheep and a shepherd. The sheep have the choice if they're going to wander off or if they're going to choose to stay close. And Jesus has given us free will as well. And it's our choice if we're going to wander off or stay close. When we choose to stay close to Jesus and we obey him, when we are attentive to the Holy Spirit and we follow the teachings in God's word, when we stop when Jesus asks us to stop and we wait when he asks us to wait and we follow him when he leads, when we allow him to be our refuge and strength, Jesus will be the one to guide us through all of the perils in life if we choose, if we choose to stay close. However, when we choose our own path or when we choose to run ahead of him, we will always be in danger. Just like the sheep that would wander away from the shepherd, the shepherd is their place of safety. But when they choose to wander away from the shepherd, that's when they're going to get stuck on some rock or they're going to get stuck um, in a place that is not going to be safe for them. The same is true for us. When we choose to run ahead of Jesus, when we choose to wander off, that's when we will be in danger. Satan, Jesus' enemy, is, it says in the Bible that he is like a roaring lion seeking for those to whom he can devour. And just like a sheep who is alone, not with the rest of, of all of the, the flock of sheep, that sheep is the one that the wolf or the lion is going to come after. When we choose to wander off, it's the exact same way. When we stop following our good shepherd is when we are easy prey to be taken down. And the thing is that the closer we are to our shepherd, the safer we are, and the more his peace will fill our hearts. The closer we are to the shepherd, the safer we will always be. During the summer months, sheep can become infested with flies and insects. And if a sheep walks closely to the shepherd, the shepherd will be able to see if his little sheep are being uncomfortable from those pesky flies and insects. And shepherds back then would always carry a case of oil along with them everywhere that they went. And if a sheep got hurt, they would put oil. He would put oil on the the cuts and wounds to heal the sheep. And also, if a sheep had pesky flies and insects around him, the shepherd would pour oil over the sheep's head, and then the flies and insects did not like the smell of it, and so they wouldn't be bothering the sheep anymore. Jesus is still like this in our, as our good shepherd. Jesus knows our burdens in life, and some of our burdens are like pesky flies and insects, but some of our burdens are much larger, and for those of us that have lived enough life know that even small things can cause big trouble. So we need to heed the encouragement that Jesus gives us in the Bible to come to him. Even with our little annoyances, remembering that Jesus loves us and that he knows how to handle every situation. There are places where Jesus is going to lead us that none of us would choose on our own. If a sheep stay too long in one pasture, eventually all the resources of that pasture will get used up. And so no matter how comfortable a sheep is in that pasture, the shepherd knows that eventually they're going to need to move on. And sometimes God leads us to new places for our own good as well. However, getting to a new place might might cause us to have to journey through deep ravines and valleys on the way. Unfamiliar territory can be frightening and filled with peril. However, it's not possible for, for us to stay in one place if we're going to grow properly. Our faith has to be tested. Louis Giglio gave a good quote that says this We only see a snapshot of life while God sees the whole thing. We often can't see what our circumstances are about, but God knows. And that's who we are called to put our trust in a God who knows the past, present, and future. When we go through those deep ravines and valleys, we can't see the enemies lurking there to take us down. Those enemies might be in the bushes. They might be hiding behind rocks. They might be in the trees or in the grass or in the holes in the ground. Enemies can be well hidden from our eyes, but they are there. We might not see them, but the good shepherd knows that they are there. The good shepherd sees them. And the thing is about the good shepherd in this time and the good shepherd in our life is the things that we are afraid of, the things that we fear will take us down, Not only does our good shepherd know that they are there, the thing is that those things fear him. They fear him. And so there's no reason for us to be afraid. There's um, an awesome psalm that talks about all of this that kind of sums everything that I've just been talking about in this section up. And it's Psalm chapter 46. So I'm going to read Psalm chapter 46 with you. It's 11 verses long God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The God Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's powerful words of promise that Jesus will be our fortress, that our future is secure in him. In those powerful words, our daily invitation and a fresh provision that God supplies to us one day at a time to teach us to daily depend on him. This is not a monthly or a weekly provision. It is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment provision. This is why we must lean, and this is why we must stay close. Another psalm, um, verse 68, chapter 68, verse 19 says, Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Jesus loves us, so we know that he will explain to us what he wants us to understand, and we must trust him for the rest. As a sheep to a shepherd, it's he must lead and I must lean. And faith is the leaning our good shepherd leads and we lean into him and that leaning is is caused by our faith the faith is the leaning when we lean on jesus during our difficulties struggles and distractions our faith increases jesus should be the first person we go to when we need help Like those sheep, he will be the one to put the oil on our heads to remove those pesky flies and insects that cause the hurt and the distractions in our lives. Jesus wants us to be leaning into him no matter what happens in our lives and for him to be the first person that we go to to meet our needs. A toddler learns that cement is hard by the bumps and bruises they experience when they have fallen. And it's a toddler that has learned through difficulty that when faced with something hard, that it is smart to listen to their father and to hold on to his hand. And no matter how old any of us are in this room are, we still need to reach out for our father's hand. In Psalm eighteen thirty through thirty three, it says, "As for God, His way is perfect; the Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take re- all who take refuge in Him." For who is God besides the Lord, and who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. A child that is too young for understanding just accepts things the way that they are. And as we get older, we want to be able to understand everything. However, with Jesus, there are some things that are too difficult for our human minds to ever completely understand. And one of them is this. At some point, we will have to realize that we will never understand how big and deep Jesus' love is for you. You're never going to understand it we will never fully comprehend how big Jesus' love is is for us. So since we are never gonna fully understand it, we might as well just go ahead and enjoy it. We might as well just go ahead and enjoy it. In our house, um, the first thing that our boys did when they were younger, and a couple of them still do this to this day, is when they wake up, the first thing that they do in the morning is they come and find Tim and me. And normally Tim and I are in the kitchen, And they'll wake up all sleep-eyed and still warm for their sleep. And the first thing that they do is they come and find Tim and I. And what Tim and I do is we wrap our arms around them, and they hug us, and they lean into us, and we rub their backs. And it's like that just morning lean and hug moment that that I love. And they started doing it when they were little. And even though they're older, a couple of them still do this. And I'm always thankful for that that morning lean and hug moment. And the thing is, that's the kind of parent that Jesus wants to be with us. He wants us, from the first moment that we wake up in the morning, to be, I need to go find Jesus. I need to go find Jesus, and I need to go have that that morning hug and lean moment with him. Before I start to get all stressed out about things that are going on, or try to figure out what problem I'm going to need to solve that day, I need to go to Jesus and have that lean and hug moment first. And I need to let him be my peace. And I need to let him let me feel secure. And and as our boys lean into us and we rub their backs, what we're saying to them is, I am loving you. And when we spend that first moment with Jesus and we get in his word and we spend time with him in prayer, it's Jesus telling us, I am loving you. I'm loving you in this moment. I would encourage you to come to Jesus every morning as a child would and allow Jesus to say to you, I am loving you. By his word and by time spent talking with him in prayer, Jesus will never let you down. It's not in his character. It's not who he is. He will lead you, guide you, and carry you. Don't put your hope in an earthly relationship. Jesus wants to be your person. Jesus wants to be your person. In 1 John 3, 1 and 2, it says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. These are great verses to remind us of how great the love is for us. It says the great love that the Father has lavished on us that he has lavished on us. As children of God, not only does God want us to stay close to him, for us to take his hand and for him to lead us, he wants us to realize that we are already in his hands, his nail scarred, loving, capable, strong, and good and comforting hands. God just doesn't want us to, to, to be there to say, grab my hand, he's saying, you're already in my hands. We, um, Tim and I lived in Atlanta, Georgia, Um, From 2001 to 2005, um, our two oldest boys were born during that time when we lived in Georgia. And um, before we left to move back to Ohio, we had really good friends there named Adrian and Alicia. We're still really good friends with them today. Just saw them a little while ago. And Alicia's an artist, and she wanted to paint a portrait for us to give to us as a farewell present before we left. And she painted... She painted this. And this is a picture of our then family. It was uh, one-year-old Grayson and baby Nat at that time. And she wanted us to remember that we are in God's hands. In fact, actually didn't remember what it said on the back because this hangs by our front door as a daily reminder us that we are in God's hands and I hadn't read the back of it in a long time it says with love from the Crawford family that you would always remain confident that your family is in the loving care of our Lord and Savior it's not special I like want to cry but I can't because I'm in front of all of you okay <laughs> and I was like looking for verses that 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 showed in Scripture that by me saying to you that you're in God's hand is not just g- good words, that it's actual true. It's true words. It's actual Scripture. And um, I found a couple verses for us in Psalm 139, verse 10. Even there, your hands will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Isaiah 41:10 says, "So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 64, 8, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. And in John ten twenty eight, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus is so close. <laughs> he's the perfect parent. He's the perfect shepherd to us as his sheep. And he's asking us to follow him. Um, as we conclude this time of our time together, I just wanted to give you one, one more quote by Max Lucado. He says this, Ideally, a father is the one in your life who provides and protects, and that is exactly what God has done. God has proven himself to be a faithful father. Now it falls to us to be his trusting children. Let's pray. Dearly Father God, You are a good God. You are a God that can be trusted. You are a God that takes care of all of our needs. And I'm thankful for the provision that you offer us. God, there might be some in this room, Lord, that aren't a child of God yet. That's not a step that they have chosen to take yet, Lord. And I pray for those that are in this room that today might be their day that they decide, I, I want to I be part of that. Sign me up. I want to hold Jesus' hand. I don't want to only hold his hand. I want to be in his hand, God, and I pray for them today. Lord, that they will understand that your death on the cross was for them too. The blood that you shed was for that for their sins as well. If this is you this morning, all you have to say is, Dear Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Thank you for your death on the cross. And ask you to come in to be my Lord and Savior. That's all it takes to become a child of God and if that's you today my prayer is that you will respond to that and allow yourself to become part of this this flock, this family of lost sheep that just are in the need of a savior, we're in the need of a good shepherd God I pray for the rest of us that are here Lord that do know you already God you are a good shepherd, you are our heavenly father God Lord may we never forget to have that lean and hug moment with you every morning, when we never forget that you are the source of our strength, you are our protection, you are our provision, you are our refuge, you are our shield, because you're a God that's so full of love and goodness and mercy and hope. God, may we always cling to you, thank you that you can be the trusting Father and help us to be your trusting children. And I just ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.